So, Stuart, can you just push people around this way? Everyone at this end, can you just squeeze further down for latecomers to come in? That would be fantastic. Okay. Good afternoon, warriors. Oh, that's a horrible thing, isn't it, to, do that, to brand people like that, warriors. Um, I'm, I'm Will van der Hart. Uh, I'm the curate of St. Mary's Bryanson Square, and I'm the director of the Infinity Trust, which is a student trust, uh, which is aimed at evangelising, oh, that's a horrible word, uh, reaching out to students and helping other students who are doing mission to reach out to their friends. Um, it's brilliant to be able to come here and talk to you about worry, because it's such a journey for me, and I just want to kind of be one of the crowd and just sort of sit there with you and just kind of go, it's okay to be a warrior. I'm a warrior, and, um, and I'm a warrior. And, uh, and you can be a warrior and a warrior, and that's what I want today to be for you. You know, I hope that I'm a warrior for God, uh, and I'm certainly not a war- warrior for God, but, but I'm a warrior for God. And like Gideon, who um, sat on the floor in the threshing mill, kind of cacking his pants, uh, the Lord was calling him, that's just like me. I feel like that. I always feel like that when I'm standing in front of a, a big crowd and uh, I feel very nervous. And you might notice that my speech speeds up, you start losing concentration and uh, wondering or not whether I've had about eight lattes before I came in here. I just want to tell you a little bit about my story about worry, just so uh, you can sympathise with me. Because I always find that when I'm speaking to a crowd of people, I like to try and get them on my side to start with. That makes me feel less worried. I always feel quite nervous when people are writing notes if they've got a frown on their forehead because it makes me think that I've said something heretical and they might actually be uh, taking me to the religious authorities. So please don't do that. If you're writing notes, look really happy and just keep nodding your head in agreement, okay? Even if you're saying horrible things about me, like, what is the annoying man going on about? Just keep nodding. That's it. Oh, that was a rubbish point. Oh, lovely. Yes, well done. Thank you. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. Um, on, on the 7th of July... Um, Last year, I was dropping my wife off at uh, Paddington Tube Station. And uh, I live opposite Edgware Road Station. And, and, I, and, and, I, and my wife was going off to do something with the Zacharias Trust uh, in Oxford. And uh, being the lovely husband that I am, I said, darling, I'll just walk you down there. So I walked her about halfway before I got tired. said, oh, I'll better go now. And uh, dropped her off on the, on the tube and let her go her merry way. And at that point, I turned around and... Um, just squeeze forward, go on. Everyone, come in. Come down this end. Um, as I came back, I saw there was a commotion outside Edgware Road tube station. And, uh, and, I, and I had a sense from the Lord that something serious had happened. Something really serious had happened. So I just popped into my flat and I put on my dog collar, which is sort of some of those like superhero outfit. It's sort of, it says invisibly, access all areas on it. Uh, you just put on a dog collar. It's amazing. You can walk into anything. If you're not sure, try it at the cinema. It's brilliant. Hi, I'm a vicar. I just wanted to see this film. Oh, okay. Thanks very much. <laughs> so I put on my access all areas dog collar, because I'm an Anglican man. And, uh, and, you know, I walked to Edgware Road Station, just a few uh, moments away from my house. And, uh, and as people started streaming out of the underground under the police cordon, covered in black soot and tears, uh, I, I felt a deep sense of foreboding rising up inside my stomach. And, and I didn't know what to do. I felt incapacitated, but I knew that the Lord just wanted me there, right there, right then. And, and I said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? I couldn't go into the actual tube station because smoke was billowing out and the fire brigade weren't that keen on me going in there. Um, but they were keen on me being there. 
and they said, you know, I want you to talk to the, to, to, to the site guy and, and then say what, uh, tell him what you can do for us. So I went to the uh, chief of the police on the site, who was thinking that this was an electrical problem. Uh, obviously, I thought maybe this was a bomb, but he thought it was an electrical problem. And I said to him, I said to him look, I, I'm the vicar. That's a hall. I've got that right there. How can we do stuff for you today? And he said, well, I don't really know what's happened. And I said, well, look, your men probably need to use the toilet. I'm thinking very basically. I'm thinking men, toilet, toilet, men. So it's a good way to offer, isn't it, if you're clergy? I didn't say anything spiritual. I want to seek the Lord for you, and I'm going to pray. The Lord's presence come into this place. I said, do your guys need to go for a wee? And he said, that would be brilliant. Could you just open that hall? That would be fantastic. You know what, within, within about half an hour, we had 500 service personnel in that hall. They were covered in, in all sorts of mess. They were, they were crying. They were bleeding. They were broken. Uh, they were hurting when they realised that another human being had just blown up a whole train of people on their way to work. I remember the fire brigade saying to me, Will, can you, have you got a TV? And because um, and, and the police cordons meant the whole of London was shut down, no one had a TV. And no one knew that other bombs were going off in other places around London. So I ran to my house and I brought this tiny little TV and I plugged it in on the altar in this little church hall that we've got and around this altar uh, were all these massive burly SO13 anti-terror squad guys all kind of peering at this little 13 inch slightly grainy TV screen going, oh my goodness, as we saw other people bleeding and crying and running out of other tube stations in London. And all this time I was in this sort of holy mode, you know, where I thought, I'm, I'm like, I'm serving the Lord. Here I am in the midst of disaster. I'm serving the Lord. This is what I've been called to do. This is what I live for. And, um, and I offered prayer to people. I said, can I pray for you? And, and these young police people who'd seen horrible, horrible, horrible things said, yeah, please pray for me. I just can't get this image out of my mind. And all the time I kept taking these things on board. And I was seeing them through their eyes. And I was feeling their pain. You know, as I, as I walked along the street, as I left St. Mark's building uh, that afternoon, I just vomited all over the floor. I'm really sorry to say that so graphically. But I just, I just puked on the floor. And, and, and I just thought, weird. Like, how weird just to vomit on the floor. But you know what was happening? Inside, I was absolutely, totally, completely, absolutely, fully petrified. Totally out of my wits. I was completely petrified. I was absolutely terrified. I was worried, scared. I was just shaking and trembling. And we, had, we, we, we served the police over the next five days. Actually, we won a commendation uh, from the police and we were visited by Sir Ian Blair that night, which was, which was a fantastic privilege. And we got to pray for and bring lots of police officers to our church service. Where we all stood there and laid hands on them and, and prayed the Holy Spirit would come on them, which is one of the biggest privileges I've, I've ever had in my life. But I lay in my bed that night shaking and trembling. I was a worried wreck, an absolute disaster. And actually for the rest of that week, pretty much every day as we served the police and the SO13 guys and the ambulance men and the fire, the fire brigade, I lay in bed shaking and shivering and fretting. And then, horror of horrors, I live in a very Muslim area, I started having these horrible feelings like, maybe someone's going to blow me up. Horrible feelings. Horrible, frightening feelings and angry feelings as well about some of the people I'm actually friends with and I live in close relationship with. Now, you might think, well, I, I, I thought I had some small things to be worried about and you now you've really shamed me because you've told me about this really, really scary thing that happened to you and now I feel like all of my worries are like really insignificant and I shouldn't really be in this seminar. 
I'm not here to tell you a fancy story about something that really frightened me. I'm here to tell you that God can use you regardless of your worry. And God can free you from worry, like he freed Gideon from worry. He can set you free to do the things that he's actually called you to do. But recognise this. I vomited all over the floor because I'm a worried person. Because I worry and I fret and I fear all sorts of things. It's in my nature. And I didn't realise until that point what a worrier I was. Now, three months later, I had an experience of what I call quite dramatic anxiety. Quite serious anxiety. And psychologists have told me that when you've done something really traumatic or when something really terrible has happened to you, it takes three months for your brain to catch up with your body. You run on adrenaline for three months and then suddenly it all kicks in. And three months later, having really calmed down over the summer, I felt immediately really, really anxious. I wonder if some of you maybe have had that experience before or maybe you have that experience on a weekly basis. You feel anxious. Some of you here today may have had panic attacks just out of the blue. Maybe you wake up early in the morning at like two or three in the morning and you find that you shake and you shiver and you're not sure why. Maybe some of you have obsessive thoughts here today. Thoughts just to roll round in your brain and you just can't seem to get rid of them. Maybe some of you here struggle with anger, guilt and shame, which are also part of the matrix of worry and anxiety. If you resonate with any of those things, then you're in the right place today. I resonate with those things. And so I want to help you to kind of understand God's perspective on them and actually also to get some freedom. I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. If you want to follow with me, you're very welcome to. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's easy to say. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's an amazing passage, isn't it? How hard is that to hold on to? Lord, oh my goodness, I'm feeling so anxious today. Will you not help me? Lord, I'd love to say that I'm not anxious about anything, but in everything I'm anxious, even with prayer and petition. I was reading some other people's notes on the subject of worry. And one eminent Christian leader described worry as practical atheism. That's when I really started to worry. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm a practical atheist. I thought I believed in God. What a disaster. Oh no. I started shaking. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been practicing practical atheism. My witness has been weakened. Oh dear. What if everyone thinks I'm an advocate of practical atheism instead of being a believer in you? You can see how the worries spin out of control. I thought I'd read someone else, you know, who was a bit more encouraging. And uh, so they started telling me that I was robbing myself of God's blessing. My hands got all clammy. I started to sweat. I started to panic and breathe really shallowly. Oh my goodness, what blessings have I missed out on? I've been robbing myself all these years, of all of God's blessing. What a complete disaster. What a nightmare. What have I missed out on? I thought I'd read someone else, you know, hoping that there might be a bit more compassion or a bit more understanding, you know, in their point. So, uh, their point really helped me. They said that worry is blasphemous. Oh my goodness, by this time I'm lying on the floor, I'm quaking, it's a disaster, I'm feeling the pain. Worry is blasphemous. I'm suddenly realising I'm a practiser of practical atheism. I'm a blasphemer. 
I've been robbing myself for all these years of all of God's blessing. Ah, what a complete disaster. You haven't got very much space, but I want you just all to close your eyes, because I'm getting tense. It must be looking at me. Close your eyes. Just relax your shoulders. That's nice. Just stop where you are in this little space. Just sit up. Try and straighten your back and relax your shoulders. That's it. Now just put your hand on your stomach. That's right. Now, just slowly breathe in through your nose. Just gently. Through your hand. Your hand should just be pushing out from your stomach. It should just be coming out. If you're doing it right, then it's just your hand's just up now. Now just hold it for one or two. Now just relax with me and breathe out. Blow it through your mouth. Okay, you've almost got it. Let's try and do it again. Just breathe in for four and just let that hand come up on your tummy. Hold it for four. And now breathe out and relax. How are you feeling? Better? Nice. Step one to relaxation. It's, it's, it's good to breathe. How many times when we're tense, we stop breathing? It's amazing how we cause our body all sorts of strain and stress. It's like... I'm falling over now. I'm feeling odd. I'm feeling dizzy. Oh my goodness, something must be wrong with me. I need to go to the doctor and get checked up. Oh no. I just stopped breathing for like a minute because I'm worrying. So I blatantly feel weird. How many people do that? We do that all day long. Okay, you're in a traffic jam, you're sitting in your car, and there's a traffic jam. It's not like, you know, there's a big articulated lorry just about to run you over. You're in a traffic jam, you're not going anywhere, you're holding onto the steering wheel and you're going, Oh, move, 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 move. Oh my goodness, I'm coming over all dizzy. Oh, oh, what's happening to me? I need to go to the doctor and get checked out again. I'm having some strange waves. Yes, you're having strange waves of stress. One of the things I'm going to tell you about is the body-mind uh, complex, which is the kind of the way in which the body and the mind react and interreact that causes stress and strain. Now, throughout this talk, you might find yourself stressing and straining. So what I want you to do is practice that breathing with me throughout my talk. Just relax. Don't listen to anything I have to say. Just relax and stop worrying. Just breathe. Just let it happen. I don't want anything that I have to say in this next 40 minutes to condemn you. You know, I have actually started worrying that you might be worrying that I might be worrying. So let's take some time out, you know, and not worry that you... That, you know, I'm not going to worry that you're worrying that I'm worrying about you feeling condemned. Let's not do that. Because that would be something that a worrying person would do. They'd be worrying about everything from all angles. You know, every single angle that might possibly be the most negative thing that I could say right now. Uh, I'd be thinking that you might be thinking about me and then I might be double-guessing you back, which is really hurting my mind. So I'm going to try and stop doing that right now. Like nearly all bad things, anxiety and worry is a good thing that's gone bad. You know, a bit of anxiety and worry is helpful, let's face it. It stops us getting run over by that truck at a zebra crossing. It improves the delivery of my talks normally on a Sunday night. It helps you uh, to, to really run fast when some psycho off Stockwell tube is stalking you. Um, but like anything, too much of it, too much of that good thing is a really bad thing. Anxiety and worry can become a burden that's completely overwhelming. It can steal your peace. It can damage your health in serious ways. It can preoccupy your mind. 
Oh no, oh no, I can hear it coming from you now. Oh no, that's me. It's damaging my mind. Oh no, I've got to stop worrying. What's happening? Quick, I need to scan myself and see what's happening. Maybe I've got malaria. The Bible's got some really helpful and powerful teaching on on anxiety. And despite what some other preachers think, I think the Bible is full of compassion. The Bible is full of compassion for the worrier. That's nice, isn't it? Just relax. The Bible is full of compassion for us, warriors. God's right there, right now, saying, it's alright, just breathe. The first thing to note is that the Bible is full of warriors. Just like you and me, Samson, Goliath, Nimrod. No, they're all warriors. Real warriors. A Gideon, David and Moses. Real statesmen of the faith. Moses, he had his fair share of anxiety. David got the most serious bout of depression and anxiety. And even the mighty Paul got anxious. In Philippians 2.28 he says, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Because at the moment, I'm absolutely terrified for him. Paul, he was anxious. He felt anxiety. It's really good, isn't it, to know that other people have experienced and are experiencing what's happened or what's happening to you. It's, it's, it's just like the most wonderful thing. It's like waiting for an exam and hearing that no one else has done any revision either. But then you are a worrier, so then you realise that they're probably all lying to make themselves look better. So actually when you get the results, you'll feel really bad and they'll feel really great because they will have got better results than you, but they won't have done any work. Nothing brings a, a comforting smile to an anxious person, a worrier, more than the fact that statistically no one is exempt from worry. And that's why half of the whole Momentum crew are in here right now. 10% of our population, you know, will need some sort of treatment or support for an extended period of anxiety or worry within their life. And anxiety is the greatest cause of missed working hours in our nation, causing a loss of 128 million reported lost work days last year. 128 million days off work last year as a result of anxiety and worry. You know, I heard the other day that 70% of GP referrals in our country are stress-related. Isn't that interesting in a country in which we have infinite choice, where the complexity of life is so huge that we have a thousand things to worry about? If you were in my seminar yesterday, I said that there are 1,048 choices of, of coffee now in Starbucks. If you had every combination, you'd been there for like three weeks. My friend Jamie Haith, I'm going to tell you a rude story about him, don't tell him I told you this. Jamie Haith got a black, they're very posh at HDB, aren't they? Lovely. And they give their staff blackberries so they can stay in touch at all times. We don't get that at St Mary's. Actually, John, my boss, gave Pete Hughes a real blackberry in a little box, you know, like one that you pick off a tree to make him feel at home because his brother got a proper blackberry. Anyway, so Jamie Hayes, sorry, do you know what blackberry is? Blackberry is like a little email machine flashy phone that business people have and, and people at HDB. And um, so Jamie got his blackberry, and Jamie's a really good geezer, but he, he got his blackberry. And, and he said to me, Will, I found myself sitting on the loo, doing a number two, as they do in HDB, and uh, he was typing on his Blackberry, answering an email. He said to me, mate, I got up and I just gave it back. Well, obviously, I wiped my bum first, but I got up and I gave it back to them. 
Because I just said, you know what, if I can't even go to the loo and have five minutes rest, then I'm really going to blow a gasket in this life. And I think he was up to something. We live in a fast-forward world. Things just keep on going at high speed and high potential. And guys, if we went back to the feudal system, we're all sitting there on our combine harvesters having a lovely time. It'd all be brilliant. We wouldn't be worrying that much, apart from whether it rained or whether it's sunny. The thing is, in our society, we've got a thousand, thousand things to worry about. And so, it's going to be hard for us. We need to realise that. I think, just like a sin though, just because everyone else is doing it, it doesn't mean that it's good. I'm not saying that worry is a sin. Well, I wouldn't categorise it like that anyway, because that would make everyone worry. What I'm saying is, that worry in itself, it is not a good thing, just because everyone's doing it, it doesn't mean we can advocate it. You know, we need to just relax. Let's take another time out. If you're a warrior, okay, you tense a muscle. It's really funny how you do that. Does everyone find that? They've been working on their computer all day and then one of their buttocks really hurts. You sort of sit half on the stool and you're like typing away for like five hours. Then you get up and you're like walking around the office like this, sort of, you know, strangely. Are you alright, Will? Yes, I'm fine. I've just been clenching one buttock for about eight hours. I'm absolutely fine though. Don't worry about me. You know, the mind-body complex is such that when you, when you tense a muscle, you know, what you're actually doing is you're exhibiting a, a feature of stress. But what happens when you tense a muscle is that your body responds to that by saying, oh my goodness, something dangerous is about to happen. I'm clenching a muscle. Therefore, I must start to worry about the cause of that. Now, think about ancient dudes like David. We heard about him yesterday uh, chasing after um, a lion. Now, David's just about to chase after a lion. He doesn't languish along to the lion and go, hey, lion, I'm just about to beat you. Okay, what he does is he pumps his hands, he gets his rear body really tight, and he's ready to go, and he's pumped with adrenaline and worry. But his adrenaline makes him work harder and faster and be better. So that tenseness actually helps him. But, if you've experienced panic attacks or anything like that, you'll know that that tenseness actually tells your body that there's something serious about to happen. So people who suffer from anxiety on that level pump their fists, their hands get cold, their feet get cold because the blood's rushing away from their extremities towards their heart to actually help them perform a superhuman task like killing a lion. Apart from the fact that you're not going to kill a lion, you're just having a coffee. The trouble with that is, okay, that then what happens is you start hyperventilating. The reason for that is because your body thinks, hey, I need loads of oxygen right now because I'm just about to kill a lion and all my muscles are going to need lots of oxygen. But you're still just drinking your latte. So then your head is filled with high levels of oxygen. You start spinning. Your world starts going round and round and round. And then you have like absolutely horrible climactic feelings of dread, loss, anxiety, uh, kind of depression, really low feelings, feelings of abject terror. And only people who have had a panic attack actually know what that feels like, and that's a terrifying thing for you guys. But let me say to you, okay, that anxiety and worry are behavioural disorders. That makes me feel a lot better, because if there were diseases that I could catch and couldn't get rid of, that would be a problem. So we need to know that anxiety and worry is a behavioural disorder. That means that we are behaving in a way that self-strengthens. That means that every time we do something, we are cutting a groove for ourselves. And when you cut a groove for yourself, you find yourself getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the groove until the sides are so high you need a ladder to get yourself out. 
Imagine an old LP. Do you remember those? You know, you used to have them before iPods. And, and, and they've got like a nice groove and you put your record player needle on it and it keeps going round. Except if you cut a groove in worry, your needle just keeps going round the same old groove. But you don't need it to be there. You need to move the needle. So I'm going to tell you how to do that. In this time out, just sit up nice and straight. <coughs> Sorry, it's uncomfortable. It gets better and more. Do some yoga, but don't do the spiritual stuff. Um, okay, now scan your body. Just close your eyes again. Scan your body. Okay. Don't, don't scan it too much. You're not that great. Now, just sense and feel for any tense muscles. You might be holding back your shoulder right now. You might be tightening up you know, one of your buttocks. Okay? You might be squeezing a toe. You might be clenching your fist. Most of you, I can see some of you definitely, are clenching your jaw, which is very common for people who worry a lot. You probably find that you grind your teeth, or you wake up in the morning with a really aching jaw. Just, just rub your hand down your face, just to relax your jaw and just pull your jaw down. Just see, just see what that feels like. Feels nice. Feel that heaviness, that kind of relaxedness. Now I want you to do the opposite. Start with your toes, I want you to clench your toes. Everyone, ready? Clench your toes. Now try and squeeze your calves. Hold it. Now relax. Let it go. See what it feels like. What's it feel like? Now try and tense your triceps, the top of your legs. Try and tense them. Okay, hold and relax. Good. Now clench your buttocks. Everyone ready? You should go up two inches off the floor. Ready? Squeeze. Excellent. Hold. Now let go. Let go. Oh, how's that feel? That feels good. Someone's, Someone's enjoying it down there. Hello. Now, squeeze your tummy muscles really hard. Oh, and let go. Nice, that feels good. Okay, now everyone biceps out. Give them a good squeeze. Really tight. Oh, and let go. Nice, how's that feel? Good, now bite down on your jaw really hard and hold it really. Ah, better, how's that feel? Nice. Now, that is a forced relax movement, okay? That's called forced relax. What you're doing is you're telling your body what it felt like to be tense. And now you're telling it what it feels like to be relaxed. If you've got trouble going to sleep at night because you feel really tense, lie in your bed and do that. The tense relax. Just try it. Try it tonight in your tent. Okay, see how much better you sleep. Just consciously go through all the muscle groups in your body, tense them, hold them, and then relax. And you will feel better, I promise you. I'm going to explain why all these things work later. Jesus was full of compassion for anxious people. He really was. And just like everything about Jesus, his compassion uh, is, matched, is really matched by his actions. He doesn't just leave us in a place of pain. He's given us a way out of those dark nights of the soul. But we need to hold on here, uh, because, because part of my anxiety has been caused by the Christian faith. Who honestly feels that? Okay, that's good to be honest. All right? It's good to say that. Not many Christian leaders will say that. Part of my anxiety has been caused by my Christian faith. It's not because of Christ, it's because of my poor interpretation of the nature of God. Lots of us here are actually worried about things of the faith. They cause us terrible worries. Who here has had a thought? Yesterday I talked about red elephants. Red elephant. Who's here for the red elephants? A few people. Had any? Did you have any yesterday? No? No, maybe not. Red elephants, they stand in the back of your mind, they blow a big trumpet. What if I've committed the unforgivable sin? 
Oh no, my goodness, someone over there's done it. Unforgivable sin problems? Don't worry, it's fine. You haven't committed it. If you're here, don't worry. Okay, we have all these religious foibles where we think, as warriors, what if? What if I've committed the unforgivable sin? What if I've blasphemed? What if I've done something that's so terrible God can't forgive me? What if, like, that terrible thing that I don't want to happen actually has happened or will happen? We ha- I can see a lot of people resonating with this sort of thing. Okay? All these sort of weird worries, they're all born out of everything that we don't actually want. Have you noticed that? Now think about other worries in your life. What else don't you want? Disease. Everyone, no one wants to get disease, right? No one. Good. That's helpful. No one wants a disease. So you go and do like a Latin link in South America. You get headache. You think, I've got malaria. Why do you think that? Because the one thing you know you shouldn't get is malaria. But that's the one thing you might get. So it's the, what if I got malaria? What if I blasphemed? What if I committed the unforgivable sin? What if the red elephant came and like sucked me up his trunk and then spat me out his bottom? What if that happened? Anxiety and worry is based on the premise that all of the what ifs will come true. Now some what ifs have an element of truth about them and that's what makes them so powerful. You know, oh goodness. What, you know, if we think, you know, I can remember a time when I said some pretty horrible things about, you know, about Jesus. You know, what if that still stands? What if God hasn't forgiven me for that? I've done some things in my life that I'm deeply ashamed of. What if God doesn't forgive me for those things and I'm actually a fraud? You know, what if actually, you know, I am actually ill. I've been suffering from some physical symptoms. What if actually I have got a brain tumour, which is what a lot of people with anxiety and worry actually think that they've got? What if? Now, the power is in the question. The question is what if? What if? The thing about your mind is it's so clever that it will create everything to prove that the what if is actually true. So, you can convince yourself of anything. Everything is possible in your mind. You can fantasise about anything. Think about what you thought about today. I thought, imagine that I'm doing ministry and then like suddenly people started floating up like, and started like floating around. How cool would that be? You know, and in my mind, it was like really real. I know I sound really weird now, don't I? But I just thought, imagine that would be so cool if the Holy Spirit just lifted people off the ground and no one could like deny his power, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You think about some stuff in your mind, don't you? You fantasise about things. Your mind's incredibly powerful. Now, it can actually create symptoms out of nothing. It can make you feel bad out of nothing. The trouble with people with worry is that they always think that there's something genuine below their worries. There's not. Now, you're all all thinking, no, this is rubbish. Because you're thinking, no, in my worry, there's something really serious going on. For example, there are genuine worries. My mum's got cancer. I'm worried about her dying. What if? That's a genuine worry, isn't it? It's a genuine worry. Okay? But, with worry, the actual what-ifs are such that that thing hasn't happened. You know, the future might hold bad things, but with most of our worries, there's nothing to it. We're actually creating worry. Now, this is true. Think about a worry you've had today. Think about a worry or something you're worrying about at the moment. Now, is that the thing that you've been worrying about for the last, like, ten years, every day? No? Can you think of another worry that you thought was just as important the day before you had that one? Can you? Or the day before that? 
Can you think of a time when you resolved a worry, but then you found, actually, that having resolved it, you didn't feel peace, you just found something else to worry about? Hands up if you've done that. Oh, okay, it's true then. Everyone. You see, the thing about worry is, if you, th- if you look at it from that matrix, it's not the thing that you resolve that's important. It's the fact that you're carrying on worrying. That's what's important. Do you see how that works? You know, you've basically said, this is such a serious thing. I'm agonising over it. And I can't carry on with my life until I've resolved it. Yet, a thousand times in the past month, you've thought that about other things that you haven't resolved, but you've moved on to a new worry. You see, real worry is addictive. I'm not denying that there are serious things to worry about. My mother's got cancer. I'm worried she's going to die. Is that a genuine worry? Yes. Is that a real thing to worry about? Yes. Now, take that aside and look at most worries. Aren't they completely unfounded? In reality. Is it not that the one thing, the what if, the terror situation, I've got a brain tumour, isn't that really what we're worried about, but we know full well that's not going to happen, yet still we agonise about it? Statistically, the chances of your worry coming to fruition is 1%. That's what psychologists tell me. There's a 1% chance that the thing that you're worrying about will actually come to fruition. Isn't that good to know? Don't you just breathe a sigh of relief and go, oh my goodness, there's a 99% chance that that thing that I'm worried about is not actually going to happen. Now, if only our brains were that rational that we could just take that on board, but you're all looking very blank at me now like, yeah, whatever, my worry is 99% true that it's going to happen. But why is your worry so different to the worry of the person next to them? Now, I want you to think of the most inane worry that you've had recently, and I want you to turn to the person next to them, and I want you to tell them your worry. Now, I don't want anyone to be embarrassed. Just make sure it's an absolutely ridiculous worry that you've been worrying about. You have to have genuinely been worrying about it. Okay, but if it's like, I'm really worrying that like, my feet are like, going to like, grow hair and like, grow about eight inches longer, so make sure you say that, because it helps us in our little exercise. So just turn to the person next to you and tell them one weird worry that you've had in the past kind of week or so. And if you're on your own, just you know, join a group, don't be embarrassed. So just come back together. Now, what's your name? Megan. Megan, hi. Sorry. Becky, sorry, Becky. 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 Me and Becky were just talking there. And Becky's got lovely, lovely hair. But Becky's worried that her hair is going to fall out. Okay? Now, there's a bit of truth in this because Becky loses a little bit of hair sometimes. But that's okay. That might be caused by her worry, actually. But the reality is that Becky's hair is looking good today. And I, I think it's still going to be... Do you think it's going to be there tomorrow, Megan? Becky. Sorry, I'm worried about me now. I think there's something wrong with my mind. I keep forgetting your name. Um, do you think your hair's going to be there tomorrow? Good. It's going to be there tomorrow. Now, the exercise I want to give you is worry break. Worry break, okay? If you're taking notes, this is a good one for you. Now, because of the anxious personality that many of us have, you guys, I can, I can profile you. You're probably deeply caring, slightly more intelligent than the rest. You're very articulate. You're slightly rational, although you're slightly irrational, but you don't like to think about that bit of yourself. You're also um, deeply articulate, and you're able to rationalise and reason through things. You're always looking for a deeper reason to everything that's happening to you. That's nearly always the same profile in worriers. Okay, now what I want you to do is to take a worry break. Because you're all conscientious, you're not going to stop worrying. If I say to you, right, stop worrying about that thing, you're going to go, yeah, right, like I can just stop worrying about it. I want you to take a worry break. I want you to stop worrying about it just for five minutes. For five minutes. 
it's a small break. I'm not asking you to give up your worry. I just I want you to still enjoy worrying. Just worry away. But only after a five minute break. Okay, it sounds silly, but it works. The reason it works is that we're telling our brains it's okay to stop worrying about this thing just for five minutes. Now, I'm going to say to you, it's fine for you to pick up your worry again five minutes later. But when we do worry break, what you'll find happens is that in your mind, you actually have a better perspective on the worry than you had five minutes before. And you'll actually say, you know what, if I took a five minute break from my worry, I could take another five minute break. And actually, that would make it ten minutes. And actually, if I did that, I could probably do a whole hour. And I might have an hour-long break. You can become better at managing your worries by taking worry breaks. It's, really, it's a really helpful psychological tool. I want to encourage you to try and use it, especially if you're conscientious. Now, I said a little bit earlier, and I didn't, I didn't go further, that my Christian faith has partly caused some more anxiety in me. You know, in Acts 24.16, it says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. How many of us spend so much time striving and worrying that our conscience isn't clear before God and man? And actually, our consciences are so acute and so tight and so strung up that we have thoughts all day that we feel frightened of. You know, one of the greatest things that we struggle with as warriors is actually not what we actually physically do. Normally, we don't do any of the things we think about. It's the things that we think about that we're worried about. We're like, oh my goodness, I had that weird thought again. Like, maybe that really offends God. How many people have had that thought? Lots of us. Okay. Now, I said about the red elephant in the back of your mind. It's always the red elephant that's saying, well, what if I thought that actually I um, was an atheist? What if I thought that? And then you go, oh my goodness, maybe that really offends God. Maybe I really am an atheist. Maybe, I, maybe I'm exactly what those other preachers said at the beginning of my talk. You know, and then we become worried about the thought. Now, the complex between our, bi- mo- between our minds and bodies is this. We think something. That's called the, it's the ABC here, the ABC of worry. The A is the thought or the trigger or the event. The B is the beliefs that we have about the event or the trigger. And the C is the consequence of that trigger. Now, let me, let me give you an example. He's got a gun. What's your name? Mike. Mike's got a gun. Okay, I believe Mike's got a gun. I, I think he's got a gun. Actually, it's a microphone. But I think it's a gun. Now, I see Mike. Mike's looking threatening and angry. Okay, so I'm seeing, my, oh my goodness, Mike has got a gun. My thought is Mike's got a gun and he's pointing at me. Now, what do I believe about that? Well, I should believe that Mike's a nice Christian guy. He's actually got a microphone in his hand. But I think it's a gun. Because I'm slightly paranoid because he looks quite aggressive. Okay, thank you. That, that's helpful. That's a good prop. Now... What's happening there is, that's the trigger event. The thought is, Mike's got a gun and he's pointing it at me. Now, my belief is, Mike's got a gun and he's pointing it at me. Therefore, I've done something to offend Mike and Mike is cross. Now, what happens in my body then? The consequence of that trigger, my belief about Mike, is that I actually begin to manifest worry. I'm starting to worry. Now, what are the signs of worry? My hands begin to get clammy. Okay? I feel quite tight in my chest. I tighten and tense a muscle. I begin to think obsessively about this. I'm working all the angles from different ends. I'm thinking, what have I done to offend Mike? Have I met Mike in another life? You know, did I really hurt Mike? You know, have I done something to offend Mike's family? Did I date Mike's sister? It's a complete disaster. I'm thinking all the reasons why Mike would have a gun and want to shoot me. 
At that time, my body begins to get even more tense because of what it feels is, it's feeling all these weird things in my body because the stress and the tension of worry is being manifest in me. Then it starts to go, oh my goodness, I've got malaria. Then it starts to really worry because he realises, oh, Mike's got a microphone. Actually, there's nothing to worry about there, but maybe I've got malaria because I've, I'm feeling a bit sweaty and I've got a bit of a headache and I'm feeling a bit tense. Oh my goodness, I need to go and see the doctor again and check out whether I've got malaria or not. Do you see how this works? It's a cycle. It's a cycle of thoughts, beliefs and consequences. And the more beliefs and consequences you have, uh, the, more, the more your body changes. The two different parts of your brain that respond to worry. Uh, the front, the frontal lobe is very rational. Um, but the, the, the amygdala is where all the sort of hunches happen. And when you actually become more and more and more and more stressed, the, uh, the hunch part gets, gets really strong and the rational part gets really weak. That's why if you've been suffering with worry for a long time, your worries can get more and more and more out of control. So if you're here right now and you're thinking, yeah, that seems quite a rational thought, Will. Like, my thoughts are like, what if that like, table speaks to me? Or what if, like, no, you think that's funny. People have all sorts of weird worries. You know, what if that table speaks to me? Or what if the earth opens and swallows me up? Or what if Mike Pilavich is actually an alien? Okay? Those sort of worries, those sort of things are actually, they're just symptoms of a highly stressed body chemistry. Okay? So the more stress that's in your body, the higher your stress levels, the chemical changes that take place in your body means that the weirder your thoughts are going to be. Okay? So the trick or the way to get well, if you're really stressing, is to wind down the stress. Wind it down. Because the more it winds down, the less physical consequences you'll have, the less trigger events you'll experience, and the more rational you'll be, and the less powerful these thoughts will be to you. You know, worried and weird thoughts are actually the product of a high-stress chemistry. Okay? So it's like a cycle. You have the bad thought. You have the consequence of the bad thought. The body chemistry rises. Then you have more bad thoughts. They're more frightening. And the body chemistry rises again. Then, because the body chemistry rising so high, lots of weird and wonderful and fast thoughts come into your head. You feel even more confused, even more worried, until you finally spin out and have a panic attack. And then you feel really bad and really worried. And that's how the cycle starts. And that's how it works. Now, some of us today will be at the very bottom level of that cycle. We will experience moderate to mild worry. And others of us here will be suffering from anxiety disorders, which actually mean that we have regular panic attacks, we feel afraid and paranoid a lot of the time, we have a lot of fast and crazy thoughts. And we might be thinking, I'm losing my mind, which is also something that most worried people think at some point or another. Maybe I'm going mad. Let me tell you today that I'm 99.999995% sure that you are not going mad. I can't say 100% because it wouldn't be fair. Okay? But I'm going to say that the chances of you going mad... Can someone go next door and turn that music off for me? I did tell them I wanted another quarter of an hour. Thank you. The chances of you going mad you know, are so minuscule. The fact that you recognise that your thoughts are weird is actually helpful. Because people who are seriously mentally unwell and suffering from psychosis don't actually know that their thoughts are weird. Okay? That's the difference. The difference between sanity and insanity is the ability to determine whether or not your thought is actually rational and real, or whether it's not. Now, the more stressed you are, the more irrational your thoughts become. But you're still able to say, well, I can actually think to myself, this is unlikely to happen. It really is. Now, 
the reality of our faith matrix in worry is the fact that God has come to give us peace of mind. And that a lot of our worries about sin and failure and disobedience are actually not born out of a genuine knowledge of the love of God. And lots of us who worry actually are carrying other burdens, personal burdens of rejection and abandonment, of brokenness, of broken relationships. But the biggest nasty for worriers is actually low self-esteem. And I don't say this lightly. I, I know that this is something that we all struggle with here today. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here. But the root of worry nearly always is a, a misunderstanding of the love of God or low self-esteem. And you could say those two things go hand in hand. Because the more you know that God loves you, the more self-esteem you have, the more self-esteem you have, the less worry you have. You might be thinking, well, that's absolute rubbish. Self-esteem has nothing to do with my problems. But I I would answer that I think it does. That actually when you begin to love yourself as God loves you, and trust yourself, and trust your subconscious, lots of your worries will go away. Because the what-ifs are the powerful things. The what-if-I-did-this, the what-if-I-did-that. How many people here have had the thought, what if I hurt someone I really love? Lots of people. And those people haven't put their hands up, they probably have, but they just feel too worried about putting their hands up to actually put their hand up. Lots of people have weird thoughts like, what if I really, I hurt someone? You know, what if I did something really awful? Now the reality is that that you're not going to do that. It's just a thought. And the next exercise I want to give you is the it's just a thought exercise. Think about some worries that you've had recently. Okay? Think about a thought that's frightened you. A what-if thought. Now I want you to look at it. Imagine it in your mind. Just close your eyes again. Look at the thought now. Now it's a weird thought. Look at it. Is it something you're going to do? In your mind, just just agree that you're not going to do that thing. Is it something that you would consciously choose for yourself? No, it's, it's, it's not something you consciously choose for yourself. Is it something you're compelled to do? Do you have to do it? No. Now just breathe in for four. And as you breathe out, I want you to imagine you're breathing out that negative thought. You're blowing it away from yourself. Ready? Hold it. And... Great. Now, open your eyes again. Now, every time one of those red elephant thoughts comes into your mind, you should not grab a hold of it and go, Oh my goodness, why did I have that weird thought about hurting my friend? I must be a psycho. I must, like, I must be a psycho. What if I lose control and I actually hurt them? Okay, you are not going to do that. Everyone experiences these sort of weird thoughts. Everyone does. But the thing is, you're not compelled to do them. You don't have to. They're nothing to do with you. They're just a symptom of high-stress biology, high-stress chemistry. So, so what you have to do is let them go. Imagine that you're standing at a fairground, and, and besides you, you're standing on a little podium, and besides you, there's lots of yellow balloons going up, mixed in with black balloons. Now, as a warrior, all the yellow balloons are positive things about yourself. God loves me. I am loved. I'm a good person. People enjoy spending time with me. I'm useful. I'm worth something. All of the black balloons, which are more intermittent, are weird negative thoughts about yourself. What if I this? What if I that? Now, as a warrior, you're going to grab hold of all the black balloons as they go past. But all of the yellow balloons, they just float away. 
What you need to do is say, oh, I can identify that thought as a worry thought. It's a red elephant. I'm going to let it go. Just let it go. Just practice this exercise of looking at something and watching it flow out of your mind. Don't grab it. And if it's a worry that seems to have value, don't grab it. Okay, don't grab it. Don't hold on to it. Just let it float by. You're like, you're like, I'm going to fail this exam. No, no. I'm just, no, watching it go. I'm watching that thought go away. Um, I'm a real failure. I'm really too fat. No, I'm watching that, that, I'm watching it float away. I'm not really a Christian. No, I'm watching it, I'm watching it float away. I'm watching it float out of my mind. Because worry can be stopped. It can be disengaged with. Remember what I said at the start, that worry and anxiety are behavioural problems. You're doing it. No one else is doing it to you. We think that we're doing it. You know, we think that someone else is doing it to us, that these things are just happening. But we're doing it. We're making it worse. Remain, remember the, the, the uh, straining example that I gave you to start with. Straining in the car for the traffic to move. Oh, oh, move, move, ah! Oh! Remember that example. Now, when you're driving the car and you're straining and worrying, take a time out. Just relax and think about something positive. And the most positive thing you can do is learn a good scripture about yourself. You know, say, I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Make this your mantra. Let's say it together. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Let's say it again. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Now, relax and breathe at the same time. Drop your shoulders. Stop clenching your muscles. And on the in-stroke, just breathe. And on the out-stroke, say. Let's say it together. Relax, breathe. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. That's it. It's nice, isn't it? Let's breathe in again. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Just relax as you're doing it. Don't strain. Let's breathe in. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. Now, you're sitting in the traffic. You know, tilt the seat back slightly. You know, just adjust the headrest. You're sitting back, one arm on the steering wheel. You're in a traffic jam. You're late for a meeting. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. It's your choice, guys. You can choose it. You can choose the word of the Lord to be on your heart to transform you from the inside. You can let go of those worries and not engage in them. You see, our God is a God of peace and his peace will rule our hearts and minds. In John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Peace, my peace I leave with you. Let's hold on to that peace. Now, in order to access that peace, I'm going to ask you to both accept some things, but also to do some things. It's like being a Christian. As warriors, lots of us will be static and cerebral. You have to both believe and do. As a Christian, you have to believe in Jesus and you have to do the things of Jesus. You won't believe every statement that I start to tell you if you're a warrior. But even though, even though these things are from the Bible... You know, and you know them, they're true. They take a while to change you. And this is what psychologists call neurotransmission. Your neurotransmission will change as you begin to do these things. Okay? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, go through a little exercise with you uh, in closing. When you're worrying, say to yourself, or out loud if you're really weird, stop. Okay? Stop. Just say, okay, I'm worrying. Stop. This is a negative thought. It's a worried thought and it's unhelpful to me. It's unhelpful to my mind and to my body. I'm going to stop worrying and think a different way. Now, you're conscientious, so you decided to tell yourself, stop, 
This is a negative thought or a negative worry. I'm going to take a five-minute time out from worry. Okay? Then begin to breathe and relax. Now you've stopped worrying about that thing. Contemplate one of these truths. Allow them to permeate your mind. Close your eyes again. God is all-powerful. He cares for me and for my future. I actively choose to place my worried thoughts on Him. Jesus has come to bring me peace. I know my thoughts aren't always rational, so I need to accept the peace that Jesus offers to help me see things in their real light. I have trusted my Jesus. I know that nothing can take me out of his hands. If I worry about this, that will not change. But if I release it to Jesus, I will feel better in myself. With God's help, I have let go of worries before. I can see that none of my worries have ever come true. I trust God that this one won't either. God is my provider. He is my Father. I know that He will provide for me. Even if things do get tough, He will never abandon me. I will not worry about the future because He can see it for me. Now open your eyes. I recommend that you change your neurotransmission by letting God permeate your hearts and minds with these truths. Take the worried thought and change it. Swap it. It's in your power to do that. Swap your thought. It's swap shop. Have a bad thought and go, that's bad. Change it for something good. Swap it. It's easy and it gets easier. The more you do these things, the better they become. What you must not do is believe that your worries own you, that they are powerful and that they control you. They do not control you. Jesus came to set the captives free. You are captive to worry, but today, Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free. But your freedom, like the Christian life, is something that you choose. You choose it. I choose to read my Bible. I choose to pray. I choose to exchange this negative thought for something positive. Remember that you need to change for God. Change for good. And God will enable you in your change. Now, I've got one more psychological tool I want to use with you today. It's called changing demands into, it's, sorry, ch- changing preferences into demands. If you're worrying here today, a lot of what I've said will be helpful to you, but you will still feel like you can't do it. And lots of setbacks will, will become you in the next year. Let me, let me ask you to do this one psychological tool for me. You strain and worry about things when you think that life cannot work unless this thing necessarily happens. For example, I cannot enjoy my life unless I'm physically well. I cannot enjoy my life unless I get my exam results an A grade and above. I cannot enjoy myself unless I get this holiday. I cannot enjoy myself unless my father shows that he loves me. I cannot enjoy myself unless I can get rid of this lump or bump on my waist. I can't get rid of this uh, painful feeling. I can't stop worrying about my big nose. And life cannot go forward. Don't laugh. Life cannot go forward unless this thing changes. Now this is a demand. The demand causes me to worry. The worry makes me stressed. But the fact is that the problem is not going away. Therefore, I will incessantly worry about the problem. Now if I can change my demand into a preference, I will feel better. Therefore, what you should now do is say, it would be preferable if I didn't have such a big nose. But, I have got a big nose. And so I can be happy and live a useful, purposeful, good life for the Lord with a big nose. For example, I would prefer to be thinner, but at the moment I don't think I am thinner. But 
because I'm not thinner does not mean I cannot live a happy, productive life for the Lord. Okay, if you're struggling with that one, you might want to uh, go to another seminar that uh, Maggie Alice is doing on self-worth. Those are the things. Turn the necessity into a preference. Say to yourself, I would prefer this. It would be better if this happened, but it's not necessary for me uh, to live a happy life only on the basis of this one thing. You guys are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord. You are brilliant people. You've got a lot to live and a lot to give. And I believe that God has called you all today to live a happier life. That's it. I'm not going to say God's called you all today to go off to the mission field, to do anything holy, to do anything wonderful, to, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of seek more scripture or pray more. I'm not going to say any of those things. I just want you to live a happier life. Jesus wants you to be happy. You know, some Christians don't seem to believe that, but I believe that. Jesus wants you to be happy. He doesn't say we're going to live a life without pain, but he says we can live a life of joy. Sometimes in pain. If you're in pain today because of worry, I believe that Jesus can make you happier. You can change those demands into preferences. You can stop straining. You can begin to breathe and relax. And you can begin to take good care of yourself. And you can let go of those black balloons. And hold on to the things that God's saying about you today, which are that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're perfectly created, that God knows you and loves you. You have to live life trusting a God who knows the future. You cannot live a life without doubt. Life is full of doubts. And if you're trying to control your world, you're going to live in a life of pain. But Jesus knows the beginning and knows the end. And he's come to take away that control today and to give you freedom. So I want you to stand now and we're going to spend some time praying for you in the power of the Spirit, which can can do far greater and more wonderful things than any psychological tools can do for you. In Philippians 4 verse 8 it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Let's take a worry break for five minutes. Don't worry about the next seminar. Don't worry about leaving. Don't worry about what you're going to do next. Don't even worry if you need the loo. Just relax.